Yo, cut the music. What I like to have right now is for all you fat, ugly, out of shape, San Francisco sweat hogs. Keep the noise down while I take my robe off and give the ladies a good look at what a real sexy man looks like. Hit the music. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Ravishing Rick Rude. Ravishing Rick Rude. Wow. He was one of the all-time great wrestlers. Resigning out of Northern California, the Bay Area, San Leandro, California. It is your host. Hello, everybody. I'm James Von 007, and you are tuning in to a episode special. This is episode 12. I promised all you followers and listeners. That's right, you followers and listeners. I said it, I made it clear. I was going to do a pro wrestling show. Yes, that's right. It is Saturday night. It is August the 21st, 2021. Am I making myself clear? I told everybody. I know it probably sounded like maybe I wasn't going to do a special on pro wrestling because I kept saying it and saying it and saying it. I did that for a reason. There's always a method to my madness. So, here we are today. And you know today has turned into tonight. So here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, just coming off of episode 11, that was a crazy long night but tonight it's all wrestling that's right a lot of people that I've ran into especially lately they ask me hey yo James Von 007 are you really going to talk about pro wrestling I said sure I am well what federations are you going to talk about I said well that's for you to know and that's for you to find out so without further ado I'm going to discuss wrestling, and I just mimicked an icon, um, Ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, What else can you say? He is the wrestler that I'm going to discuss. He is the wrestler of this episode. But, however, I'm going to discuss these wrestling federations that I follow somewhat, not all, but most. No, honestly, I remember back, excuse me, I remember back when I was a kid, you know, um, I used to watch wrestling. Um, Me and uh, my younger cousin. And I remember because you got to remember, as you get older, you don't remember everything that you remember back when you were, let's say, 12. I think that's a common age, right? So to make the long story short, I have a better memory at 12 when I used to watch wrestling, or should I say the beginning of when I first started wrestling compared to now. And it's not because you don't want to forget it it's not that it's just that the way I see it is like this if you're having a great life then or let's you know let's be more honest let's say a good life if your good outweighs your bad in life then I feel that you won't remember everything even you know good or bad you won't remember everything maybe you'll remember the bad (laughs) right but no for real So what I'm saying is, is that I have vivid memories of 
when I first started watching wrestling. Vivid memories. Now when I go back, because I was going to say something and now I regretted it. So I said no. Well, in my mind, I regretted it. But no, actually, um, I believe the first time I started watching wrestling, matter of fact, it was, was that 19, I'll say 1983, but I could go back a little bit more because I do remember WWF. Okay, we'll start with WWF. I remember watching, now this is this is just a vivid memory that I remember. I believe it was the, now this is all coming from the head, for real. Um, it was a tag team match, WWF. It was for the WWF Tag Team Championship. <clears throat> and at that time, Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saido were the WWF Tag Team Champions. They were both out of Japan. I, let's see. I don't remember if they were with Captain Lou Albano. That's what I don't remember. Because I'm coming from the head with this. I don't remember if he was at ringside. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, here it is. So they wrestled the Strongbow Brothers. They were some Native American wrestlers. So they were a tag team. It was Chief J Strongbow and Chief Jules Strongbow. That's what I remember. And so Mr. Saido and Mr. Fuji, I don't know if any of you, uh, I would say younger uh, wrestling fans remember if Mr. Fuji was a wrestler or not, because I'm thinking if you started watching wrestling late 80s, I, matter of fact, I would even say mid 80s, um, early 90s, you saw Mr. Fuji as a manager. But he was actually a wrestler before a manager. In case you wrestling fans don't know this. So anyhow, yeah, so he tagged up with Mr. Saido. And they were the tag team champions. And, and I remember this on TV. And so they put the belts on the line. And so what I remember as a kid, they got into the ring, if I remember it right. And I don't remember if it was Mr. Saido or Mr. Fuji, but I know, matter of fact, you know what? No, they both, I believe, threw salt in the eyes of the Strongbow Brothers. And if I remember it right, the Strongbow Brothers got counted out of the ring. That's what I remember about that match. And I said, wait a minute, they can't do that. They're cheating. Me and my cousin, me and my uh, little cousin, you know, we were upset. Well, like, you know, what the hell's going on? I mean, how could you? And I believe the referee saw it, I believe. So, you know, they're all blinded outside the ring. And so the referee is counting. I'm like, yo, what the hell is this? And they counted them out. And I said, that's not even wrestling. They didn't even get a chance to even demonstrate what they were going to do to each other. So basically, that was another way for Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saido um, to find an easy way out of the match because they probably were concerned that the Strongbow brothers, the Strongbow brothers, were going to defeat them for the WWF Tag Team Championship. And at the time, WWF stood for World Wrestling Federation. In case if you uh, fans don't know, because I understand that, you know, the name was changed eventually, right? So, well, it went from WWF to WWE. We'll get into that a little bit later, but just saying that that was the federation that was owned by Vince McMahon. Um, now, I don't know if any of you fans knew this, but before Vince McMahon, I know some of the older fans that are my age and probably, let's say, maybe 10 years younger, maybe not even 10 years, let's just say, for, uh, yeah, well, let's just say, uh, six years, okay, I'll give it a stretch, but Vince McMahon's father, it was Vince McMahon Sr. that owned WWF in the 70s, and then, of course, his son, which is Vince, Vince McMahon Jr., who you know now, um, he ended up, you know, getting the federation, you know, he ended up buying it, but what I want to say is, is that, um, yeah, so 
Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saido, they they cheated to win the match. So they won by a count out. And I said, well, hell, well, how, uh, you know, how will a tag team win versus Mr. Saido and Mr. Fuji if they're going to cheat like that, right? That's what I said. Um, you know, but then eventually um, the Strongbow brothers, Chief J and Chief uh, Jewel Strongbow, yeah, they, you know, they eventually, they, you know, they ended up wrestling them and then they won the belts. Um but that's what I remember, as I said, during that time was that tag team match where it was, you know, it was, I mean, it wasn't even really a match. And that was the main event. I felt like, I felt like uh, Vince McMahon shouldn't have put that as the main event. To me, that was stupid. But I get it at the time because you wanted, um, you wanted um, a good storyline, as you would say, right? So... They wanted us to wait as fans. I was a kid, so my imagination was like, they're not ever going to win the tag team belts if they're going to allow a team to do that to them. And I'm referring to the Strongbow Brothers. So um, that's what I remember about WWF at that time. Excuse me. I also remember um, me and my cousin... And keep in mind that wrestling used to come on Saturdays, so that never changed. But I remember AWA, I remember we saw Hulk Hogan. Yes, we saw, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't first see Hulk Hogan, or should I say even myself, I didn't see Hulk Hogan first time in WWF. No, I go back to AWA. And so um, I'm trying to remember, matter of fact, we didn't even know anything about the Rocky movies until later on for some reason. I don't know. I mean, I saw it, but then, you know, but as a kid, you know, you're not thinking so much about boxing movies, more so boxing, yeah. And again, at one point, you know, we're going to get the boxing even more deeper, kind of like this, you know, we'll do a, a, a show on boxing. I have no problems with that because I have a lot to talk about too with boxing especially old school but what i'm saying is you know as a kid you know when you're a kid if you're a a boy or girl especially a girl i mean sports is one thing right but but it'd be kind of hard to watch a boxing movie if you're not interested really in boxing now if it was a female maybe you'll glance at it i'm pretty sure you'll probably glance of course at the boxing movie if it's a male too but not necessarily so i i mean again you know my dad used to watch that stuff but again this was before i got old enough and so i didn't know that hulk hogan played in a rocky movie at that time now that was 1983. matter of fact i don't even know if the movie had even came out yet i don't even know if he even shot for the movie yet that's how long it's been and i don't remember because i was a kid i was only oh my gosh we're talking about 83 uh, I was what, maybe nine, something like that, you know, somewhere around that age. I told you guys I'm not declaring my age, but it's close to that, at least not yet. But anyway, so I remember me and my little cousin. We saw Hulk Hogan, and I remember the match a little vividly with Nick Botwinkle. That's what I do remember, and I do remember we thought that he had pinned Nick Botwinkle at the time. Nick Botwinkle was the AWA heavyweight champion. Matter of fact, Bobby Heenan was his manager at the time. And so AWA, in case if you younger fans didn't get a chance to see AWA, uh, let's just say presently at the time, AWA is American Wrestling Association. Um, so that was AWA. <clears throat> And that's all I can remember at that time. I remember seeing interviews with Mean Gene. I remember him interviewing Jesse the Body Ventura. I remember that. And that's pretty, that is pretty much it at the time. I, I thought I saw Vern Gagne. He was the owner of AWA. Um, so, um, so, but at the time, uh, I really don't remember too much. Because again, you know, I'm grown now and uh, like I say, I saw a lot of wrestling. And so, you know, we're going to get into that. And so, um, but what I will say is as time went on, I will say, um, so when I look at wrestling, 
And when I see, um, you know, when I think of wrestling uh, federations, as I got, you know what? I will be honest, quite honest. I'll say 1980, um, well, so I'll put it this way. 1984 is when I really grabbed on to wrestling. And at the time, back in 1984, I was in love with WWF. And it wasn't because of any other federation. It was so much at the time, that was the only wrestling uh, that I could find at the time as a kid. I didn't know the other federations in terms of the channels. Um, I thought I saw a little bit of NWA, but but didn't recall it because it was just the way how their ring, I think, was set up. So it was like, uh, I mean, the wrestling looks good, but I don't know. It was just something about the vision of it. <clears throat> but I just know with WWF, that just caught my eye right away. And again, and who caught my eye was Hulk Hogan. Um, he was champion at the time. That was 1984. He was champion at the time. So I remember we used to watch it. And it was called, um, I think it was called Our Stars of Wrestling. Um, yeah, WWF. All Stars Wrestling. I believe that's what it was. And so me and my uh, cousin, or even like when I was by myself, anyway, as a kid, I remember watching it. And I remember I used to watch Hulk Hogan. Now, everybody believed back when Hulk Hogan was in WWF. I know some fans, some of you fans thought he only just wore like the yellow gold, but no, he wore uh, white trunks, blue trunks. Those are the trunks that I seen him in when he was a wrestler and he was the champion at the time. So I remember that he would wear the blue trunks, the blue boots. Um, he will wear uh, the white taped, you know, I mean, he'll put the tape around his wrist, both wrists. I remember that. But yeah, he also wore white trunks, white boots. Um, you know, he would come with the all American, uh, white shirt on. Um, yeah. And then he would have like the little, uh, hairband type of thing around his head. That's when he had a lot of, I mean, excuse me. I mean, I mean, his hair was, was like full. He didn't have like no hairline, nothing like that. I mean, this is when he had like all his hair on his head. He didn't have no ball spot or nothing. I'm talking about Hulk Hogan. Um, so I would just, just remember watching him wrestle as a champion and, 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 you know, and those are just, you know, you know, um, you know, that's just one of the wrestlers, you know, that I'm talking about. I remember watching, um, who was it at the time? Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, you know, there were rest, you know, Tito Santana, Greg Gagne. I remember watching, uh, the Greg Gagne, Tito Santana match uh, for the intercontinental title. Uh, I remember Greg Gagne injuring Tito Santana. Then, of course, they had the storyline. You know what, though? But, but maybe he really did have surgery on his knee. Because um, I know he was out for a while. I'm talking about Tito Santana. And, you know, Greg, uh, uh, Greg, Greg, Greg Valentine, as they called him, Greg DeHammer Valentine, I remember that he beat Tito Santana for the Intercontinental Belt. And I know he kept that figure four on his uh, leg for a minute. That's what I remember. So I remember seeing that. Watching Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful, they called him Paul Orndorff. Um, and, you know, uh, he passed away, of course, this year. Rest in peace to Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. I, I believe I gave a shout out to him. I, I believe it was around my first couple episodes. But I also remember watching Andre the Giant, Big John Studd. Um, Roddy Piper was there at the time. Um, the Iron Sheik, of course. Managed by Classy Freddie Blassie. Um, I remember the Iron Sheik. He claimed he was from Iran. Yeah. Iran, number one, USA. Puh. You know, he used to spin on the ground. Um, Captain Lou Albano, Big John Studd. Um, yeah, so though, you know, so that's so that's just a list of the wrestlers that I remember. Um, at that time it wasn't so much of a dominant managers uh thing going on at that time but you did have your managers so yeah captain will Albano was the one that i remember the most at that time um oh let's see that's all i remember back in 1984 and then of course um but again like i said but as wrestling went on um and you know and then as time went by I would say 86 is when I really started to gravitate to um, AWA Championship Wrestling and NWA Championship Wrestling. And if we go back to, uh, you know, the AWA, I remember at that time, uh, Stan Larry Hansen was the champion at that time. 
he was a wrestler, six foot six, three hundred and something pounds. He used a lariat. He had this. Um, he had like this, this pad on his elbow. A lot of people believed that he had something in it. I don't know if he did or not. That I don't know. Now we're saying storyline, right? So I remember St- uh, uh, Stan and Larry Hansen. I remember Greg Gagne. I remember um, Nick Botwinkle, Larry Sabisco, Kurt Henning, um, the Texas Long Riders. Uh, who else was around? I remember. Oh, the Midnight Rockers. I saw a little bit of them. You know, Marty Janani and Shawn Michaels. You remember they were called the Rockers? Listen, before they were called the Rockers, they were they were in AWA and they were called the Midnight Rockers. That's right, the Midnight Rockers. <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot of people said that they copied the version of the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, a lot of people say teams copied off teams, but they didn't wrestle like the Rock and Roll Express. To be honest with you, to be honest with everybody, should I say, I would say that the Rock and Roll Express, I, I mean, this is just my opinion. And, you know, we'll get more to the Rock and Roll Express. But I think, you know, they were, you know, they were just as good as the Rock and Roll Express, actually. Um, even better. And, and the reason why I say that, at least with the men, uh, or with, yeah, with the Midnight Rockers, the thing I liked about them was not only their music or their attire that they used to wear, but their wrestling was pretty solid. I mean, they were, they were high flyers. They were more, they, they were more high flyers in the ring more than the Rock and Roll Express. That's just my opinion. Their, their aerial assault, their aerial tactics, they did more moves from the top rope than the Rock and Roll Express. To me, you know, more than the Rock and Roll Express. And then, of course, I remember you had the AWA Tag Team Champions at the time. Actually, no, the 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 AWA Tag Team the AWA Tag Team Champions at the time was Big Scott Hall and Kurt Henning. And I remember when they wrestled um, Playboy Bunny Rose and uh, Pretty Boy Doug Summers. I remember the match when they lost their belts, referring to Kurt Henning and Scott Hall. <clears throat> and I remember that Scott Hall got his head drilled into. Uh, the pole outside the ring, I think it was Doug Summers who rammed his head, um, you know, against the uh, pole rail. And so um, they didn't lose by a count out. I don't, I mean, no, Scott Hall couldn't finish the match. And that's what I remember. And so I remember that they lost the belts. And then they started to call Big Scott Hall a quitter. <clears throat> so that's what I remember about AWA. But I remember Stan Hansen was just this like maniac he would run into the ring with this cowbell you know how you know how when you know the announcer introduced the wrestlers and when they said uh stan uh, or excuse me awa champion stan and larry hansen stan hansen will run into the ring you know he'll you know he'll be moving kind of fast with his uh, cowbells and he'll start attacking you with the cowbell bells or should i say you know he'll start attacking the wrestlers hitting them and all that stuff throwing them out the ring getting a chair hitting them with the chair and i'm like wait wait, wait hold on referee isn't that a disqualification that man got away with murder I, and, 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 and <laughs> i tell you what storyline or not he was a beast he hey he was one of the most notorious wrestlers i ever seen in my life i'm talking about from beginning to end he's like all gas no brakes as we call it now that fool, he would go into the ring with his cowbells, start swinging them at you. He just did not care. He would swing them at the wrestlers. He was swinging at the referee. Referee, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the referee, the referee got to go for cover and duck. The announcer run out the ring, and this man is carrying, you know, his 10-pound wrestling belt with him. And like I say, he, you know, he was AWA champion, and he was a good champion. I, you know, I'll give him that. You know, I mean, now, for me, I'm being honest. Now, for me, I didn't like, um, you know, the bad guys back then. Of course, I liked all the good guys. Well, not all of them, because you figure some of them would lose to the good guys. But I was just all, all good guys. As they call, man, hold on, what do, what do they call these good guys now? K faces and all that other stuff. I just call them good guys. Okay, good guys. So call that old school wrestling. Hey, that's fine. But I just remember, man, the AWA 
At that time, you know, it was, I mean, it was good enough for me. After all, you know, the top three federations, now I'm I'm not going to say them in order, but it was, you know, AWA, NWA, and WWF. Now, NWA was very interesting. And now I'm talking about 1986 because this is when I started to gravitate and start following all the other federations because, you know, you know, you're a kid, so of course you're older, so you're going to flick through the channel and say, oh my gosh. And I remember, you know, looking at some of this up through a, through a TV guide. You remember the TV guides, everybody? I don't know if you young listener followers know or you fans, but I remember they said the TV guy, right? And basically the TV guy will describe to you what's coming on TV. See what I'm saying? Every day. 24 hours. Seriously, they had a TV guy. Look it up. You can look it up online. You go online and look up old school TV guy. And I remember the TV guy used to tell us everything. But anyhow, but with me, I used to just, you know, I used to just flip through the channels on the weekend. And that's how, I, like I said, I started to find out about AWA even more so. You, you know, follow uh, NWA. Now, NWA is the National Wrestling Alliance. And I remember um, when I saw um, Ric Flair with that belt, I said, damn, that belt is hella tight. You know, and hella tight means like, you know, like 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 good, like it's good. I mean, that's cool, it's cool. Ric Flair had this big old belt. You know, the belt that you see now, I believe it, let's see, I believe, no, matter of fact, wait, is it, hold on, is it in WWE now? I don't even think it's there anymore. I think they got their own titles now. But 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 anyhow, Ric Flair was the first one to come with that title. He had like this big wrestling belt. It looked clean, all gold. Looked like it had diamonds in there. It hey, hey, it had to be real diamonds because that belt cost thousands of dollars. So to make the long story short, I remember watching Ric Flair, um, Dusty Rhodes, um, the Koloffs. Nikita Koloff, Ivan Koloff. I remember seeing Arn Anderson, Telly Blanchard. You had yeah, Magnum TA, Wahoo McDaniels. You had Shaka, Shaska Watley. Um, you had the Road Warriors, the Rock and Roll Express, who I just mentioned. Um, you had Jimmy Garvin. So you had all these wrestlers. But when I looked at um, NWA, by far... The wrestlers that stood out. Oh, and I can't forget about, of course, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, okay? <laughs> you never forget about him. He was a character. But the wrestlers that stood out that was like, wow, to me, what were the Road Warriors, Nikita Koloff, um, So the Rock and Roll Express, they were more exciting to watch at that time because of their ring entrance, the music, the way they dressed, yes. Um, And so, yeah, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Um, They weren't the tag, wait, no, they weren't the tag team champions when I saw them. Actually, actually, so let's go back. The Midnight Express were the tag team champions. But... They really didn't ooh-ha me. And I know they were bad guys. I know I didn't like like bad guys, but still. But they didn't, like, impress me. And I think maybe because of their ring attire, I guess. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry, managed by Jim Cornette. But what I will say is Jim Cornette probably fascinated me the most because of his big mouth. He used to talk a lot of shit. Let's face the facts. I don't cuss a lot on my uh, podcast, but I'm just saying, he talked a lot of shit. He did, face the facts. So that's what made the Midnight Express, I felt, because if you because if you would have took Jim Cornette out of the equation with his tennis racket, and oh my gosh, he used to load people up in the back with that tennis racket. <laughs> hey, listen, he, look, and see, this was the whole point about wrestling. This is why you paid... To either watch it on TV, well, you well they didn't have pay per view at that time. Although they um, they did have a short closed circuit 
TV. Like, you know, like when they hosted. So let's talk about NWA. So NWA. So let's say, you know, they would have Starcade, right? That was the granddaddy of them all in terms of their wrestling promotion event. That was, that was like their Super Bowl. So, of course, you know, you can go. Like, I remember in San Francisco, they had the um, CCTV circuit outlet where you can go to, let's say, an auditorium or like a small arena and watch the show. But the thing that was crazy, you would pay money to go see Jim Cornette get annihilated. That was the key, is to see him get annihilated, right? So, just saying. So, yeah, but although Nikita Koloff was a bad guy, he impressed me. He was strong. He was vicious. I love the way he used to try to speak English. That was funny. Ivan Koloff was cool. He was more of the sinister out of the two. He was the one that would mastermind, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that in the ring. He would be an advisor to, um, you know, Nikita Koloff. Although that was his uncle. Yeah, and so I remember, (laughs) and then Ric Flair would come out with his uh, Rolex watch, his uh, suit. (laughs) He said tailor-made suit. Styling, profiling. Woo! If you want to beat a man, you got to beat the man. That's right. I'm a 60-minute man, and I'm going to go all night long. Woo! (laughs) That was his name. But I didn't like Ric Flair back then. I'm not going to lie. And so, you know, know, we can go back real quick to WWF. And then WWF at that time was, oh, my gosh. I mean, it was big. It was huge. Hulk Hogan. He was still the real wrestling federation heavyweight champion. I mean, he was on top of the world. That's when I, I mean, that year is when I really appreciated wrestling, especially WWF. I mean, they had the British Bulldogs. Oh, that was my favorite tag team. Now, I mean, that's my favorite tag team probably of all time. I loved the British Bulldogs. Davey Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid. Oh my gosh. They were just exciting to watch. Now that's what I'm talking about excitement. Now I know WWF, they, they always used to pick on it and say, oh, well, they're about characters and, and, and gimmicks like cartoons and animals and all that stuff. But you know what, though? But what I would say about WWF, though, over all those federations, yeah, people were right in the past. Maybe it was um, this and that and the other about characters and cartoon characters. But you know what? But that's what I loved about that federation because it was wrestling and it was entertainment. They were the first federation to come out straight like that. Wrestling and entertainment. They had a lot of drama, but I loved it. It was never boring. Yeah, and so, as I said, those three federations were great. And then, you know, like I said, with, you know, WWF in 1986, they had Macho Man Randy Savage. I think he was the first manager in that federation never have a woman as his manager, Miss Elizabeth. Um, now that now now so back in '86, this is when you start seeing all the managers, <coughs> especially in WWF. You had Matthew the South, Jimmy Hart. You had Mr. Fuji. You transitioned from being a wrestler to a manager. You had Classy Fetty Blassie. You had Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, you had the Slickster. So you had, all, oh, Captain Lou Albano. So it's like, yo, you had all these wrestling managers. And I remember Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Magnificent Don Morocco, King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, Andre the Giant, um, the Dream Team, Brutus Beefcake, and Greg Diamond Valentine. Oh, yeah, we can't forget about Luscious Johnny V. Johnny Valiant was their manager. Oh my gosh, the list goes on and on. Then the tag teams. Oh, the Killer Bees, the Rougeau Brothers, the Hart Foundation. Ooh, Brett the Hitman Hart, Jim the Anvil Nyhart. You had the Iron Sheik Nikolai Volkov. You had, I mean, you, I mean, you just, oh, the U.S. Express. Uh, Mike Rotundo, uh, Barry Windham, Mike Rotundo, Danny Spivey. I mean, you had all these great tag teams. It was amazing to watch. You even had Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant together. I mean, you had all these wrestlers. Roddy Piper. Cowboy Ace Bob Hort, I mean Orton, um, you had a list of wrestlers, man. I mean, it was a corporate crusher. You had all these good wrestlers in WWF. I mean, WWF had it going on. I mean, they really had it. Adorable Adrian Adonis. I mean, I'm just thinking about all these damn wrestlers that they had. Excuse me. I mean, I haven't named all of them, but I'm just giving you a summary 
of what um, the WWF was about. I felt for me at that time, WWF was maybe the best federation. Um, call it what you want, but I felt like that they had just as much talent, probably even better than NWA. I just think between the two, I think the now I think the wrestling part of it, NWA probably had that on lock because they did focus more on the wrestling aspect did WWF but I believe that but the WWF had the drama storyline and all that I would say over NWA NWA tried to they tried to make it more lively in terms of rivalries which it did make sense you know getting beat up in the locker room or getting caught outside your car so I'll give them that AWA, the only thing I didn't like about that federation is, and, and they had a lot of old wrestlers, and unfortunately for AWA, the owner, Vern Gagne, he just did not want to commit to younger wrestlers. He wanted just straight wrestling. And when you just have straight wrestling as time goes on, the fans catch on and they're like, yo. And I and and what I mean by he held on too long, he had a lot of old wrestlers. If you go back to 1985, matter of fact, 1984, he had Baron Von Rasky, Ray the Cripper Stevens, uh, Nick Botwinkle. Um, you know, he had the Crusher, Dick the Bruiser. To me, he just had too many old wrestlers and the talent that he did have, I mean, you know, they left, you know, they, they weren't getting paid like they should have. Uh, that's the source I heard, you know, so there's a lot of things that happen within, um, you know, the AWA, but definitely, um, I felt WWF and NWA were ahead of their time and are definitely ahead of AWA. So if you have to look at the rankings out of the three, you can go NWA or WWF one and two. And I think AWA was number three. But what I will say is, um, you know, on top of that, you know, you had these other wrestling federations that I started to catch eye on. In 1987, matter of fact, no, 1986, but I'll say more 1987, I caught on the world-class championship wrestling because, again, you also got to remember, too, that I know they weren't airing a lot of these wrestling federations on TV that I know of because every time I turned the channel, it was either WWF, NWA, or AWA. And that's the truth. That comes from my testimony. But then, like I say, I started flicking the channels and then I saw WCCW, which is world-class championship wrestling. And I remember... I used to hear about the Von Erichs. Well, of course, I used to look. So I used to collect the pro wrestling magazines. And I remember my first pro wrestling magazine I got, it was it was the March edition of 1987. And that was around the time when I started to actually go to live wrestling events. I'll talk about that at another wrestling special because I don't have a lot of time because I still have to get to the wrestler of the night which will be Ravishing Rick Rude everybody again I am James Vaughn 007 your host to the Premier Sports Talk podcast show and this is episode 12 and I have a special here tonight on pro wrestling as I went over um the AWA, NWA, and WWF, and now I'm talking about world-class championship wrestling. I used to hear about the Von Erics, but of course, unfortunately, at the time, um, I wasn't able to watch them wrestle. So by the time I did, I remember watching Kevin Von Erich. He was the world-class heavyweight champion at the time, and he had a younger brother by the name of Mike Von Erich. And Bruiser Brody was in the Wrestling Federation, which you all know as King Kong Bruiser Brody, if you were, a, uh, excuse me, a AWA fan. And anyhow, um, they had Eric Embry, they had the Fantastics, they had the Rock and Roll RPMs. Um, trying to remember everybody that I remember that year. I do remember um, Gary Hart was a manager. He was a manager of, oh, Abdullah the Butcher, uh, Nord the Barbarian. Um, that was interesting. Um, and um, I remember Percy Pringle. Um, yeah. And um, but again, um, oh, Steve Simpson, the kid from South Africa. So you had, you know, so you had these wrestlers that were in that federation. If you know, but what I remember about world class, it seemed like the mats were more harder compared to the other wrestling federations, I would say. Um, 
yeah, that's how I feel about that. And then, um, but like I said, the thing that stood out, like I said, was Kevin Von Erich. He would come into the ring, gold trunks like Hulk Hogan. He was like six foot one, blonde head kid. Um, but he came into the ring barefooted and he had that world-class heavyweight championship belt. I like the way how that championship belt used to look too, by the way. Um, not picking on all the other ones or not saying anything bad, but that championship belt was a good looking championship belt. By the way, everyone that loves wrestling, you can go online and you can look at those belts. You can even own those titles. Yes, that is true. You can buy those belts. So anyhow, then you had the UWF, the Universal Wrestling Federation. I remember that federation to a T because the one wrestler that, that caught my eye was Steve Dr. Death Williams. And he kept saying, excuse me, he kept saying how he wanted to challenge the one-man gang for his UWF title. But what I will say, I did like that federation at the time when I first caught it. I was like, this is a pretty good wrestling federation. They had the one-man gang, they had the fabulous Freebirds, which I knew about them already. Terry Gordy, Bam Bam Terry Gordy, Buddy Roberts, and Michael P.S. Hayes. Pure sexy, in case you uh, fans don't know what that means. And then um, they had um, Ted DiBiase, but at that time he was on his way out. But they had Ted DiBiase, um, they had Terry Taylor, uh, Chris Adams. I believe they were the tag team champions at that time. Savannah Jack, I believe he was the television champion at that time. Savannah Jack, um, Iceman King Parson. Oh, General Skandor Akbar. He was a manager of Devastation Incorporated, Eddie Gilbert, the First Lady, Missy Hyatt. How can you forget about her? She was hella pretty. <laughs> we'll admit that. Um, they had Dark Journal. She was another manager. She looked okay. She was cool. And um, they had all, oh, Rick Steiner was there. Oh, Sting was there. People, see, people don't know. Sting used to be a bad guy before he was a good guy. So I want to make that clear. I mean, but to me, he was more goofier as a bad guy. I mean, he I mean, he was okay. But again, he was in UWF, and that was before he got the NWA. So I just remember that federation. Um, <laughs> that was an interesting federation, but I did like their wrestling. Their wrestling, I felt their wrestling was pretty damn good. I would put it up there with WWF, uh, AWA, NWA, and then you have, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, world class. They had a pretty good talent talent uh roster they had a roster of talent i will say that so um again we're gonna do more wrestling excuse me we're gonna gonna do more wrestling shows oh but this is what i did want to add on wwf that was the name back in the 80s or of course you know they started back in you know way back when but anyhow wwf had to change their name back in may of 2002 because they lost a lawsuit to WWF, which uh, which was called World Life Fund. It's like an animal type of a thing. But anyhow, they lost the suit against them for um, the trademark, the WWF trademark. So, of course, WWF had to change their wrestling name and their company name to WWE. That stands for World Wrestling Entertainment. Real quick, let me, so let me say this about the current wrestling. This is what I'll say. If, if, if you are a fan of CM Punk, you need to go back in case if you didn't record it. He's in the federation called AEW, All Elite Wrestling. Let me just tell you, when he returned to the wrestling ring, the last time he was on TV was the Royal Rumble in 2004 WWE. <clears throat> when he came to the ring, because the rumors were he signed to return to wrestling. He had a hate. Um, he had a hideous in the MMA. He went 0-2, and um, I guess he missed wrestling because that was his passion. He returned to. AEW. That's right. He signed with AEW. And when he returned, he returned to do the show AEW Rampage in his hometown, Chicago, Illinois, at the United Center. I've 
Look, the last time I see the crowd go crazy like what I saw that night was was when The Rock came back to wrestling. When I saw Stone Cold Steve Austin come back to wrestling. That, but I think that was, I mean, I've never seen that before. That Everybody was yelling CM Punk. They have been calling his name out before he even look even before he resigned they wanted this guy they must have knew he was coming to um AEW it was crazy so here we are now the wrestler of the night is going to be ravishing Rick Rude rest in peace to his soul ravishing Rick Rude stood six foot three he weighed 252 pounds The man debuted in 1982 and he retired in 1994. Rick Rude was born December 7, 1958 in St. Peter's, Minnesota. He died April 20th, 1999. Oh my gosh. Age, he was 40 years old. He died in Alpharetta, Georgia. died of an accidental overdose sad and the reason why I'm, 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 I'm saying this is because I saw that wrestler wrestle I first seen him wrestle um in no that was NWA actually that was 1986 his tag team partner was Manny Fernandez and they were managed by Paul Jones. They were they were the NWA World Tag Team Champions. I remember him, not vividly, I remember him well. He was trained by Eddie Sharkey, as they called him the trainer of champions. Rick Rude went to Robbinsdale High School in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. He went to high school with Tom Zink, Brady Boone, Nikita Koloff, Kurt Henning, John Nord, Barry Darso, which is Smash of Demolition. Rick Rude was close with his childhood friend, Kurt Henning. He was a great wrestler. I'll tell you that. For me, he's one of the greatest wrestlers um, in the 80s, even in the 90s. But for me, I mean, I put him in my top 10 of best wrestlers of all time in the 80s. Um, the way he moved around that ring, he was vicious. He was heartless in the ring. And I remember um, in NWA, I remember he used to use what the DDT, when he came to WWF back in 1987, he used, as he called the rude awakening, excuse me, the rude awakening. It was a reverse neck breaker. He was a talented wrestler. Um, he wasn't really a high flyer. But his moves were pretty lethal. He had the snap suplex, the vicious clothesline, the vicious off the top rope punch to the head. Um, He used to hammer you with his forearms. He was just a pure great wrestler. Um, That's what I can say about Rick Rude. But he was a good bad guy. I will say that. And And when I did the theme at the beginning of my show, that's what he used to do. Every time after he would get into the ring, he would say those he would say those words and then he would take his robe off. He had a physique. He had a nice physique. His six pack, his shoulders, his biceps, picture perfect. I mean, that's just the way how I wanted my body as a kid growing up. Watch out. I was like, I probably don't like him, but I love his body. His physique was picture perfect. All the women loved that man who were in WWF. Well, most of them they did. But this guy, he used to be an arm wrestler, but before he was an arm wrestler, back in the early 80s, he used to be a bouncer. He used to, you know, he used to be a bouncer at a club. Um, This guy was really tough. Let me tell you real quick, um, the stories that I got about Rick Rude. One time, this was when he was in world-class championship wrestling, I believe. Um... Him and his girlfriend, I don't know if that was one of his wives at the time, maybe it was, but I know he would, uh, him or her would walk inside the club, right? And then he would tell 
um, you know, his girl, whatever, hey, go to the bar, you know, just go over there and sit down. So as she went over to walk toward the bar, he would stand there. And some guy tried to talk to his woman. Before she could even say anything, Rick Rude came up on the guy and started just loading punches. I'm talking about literally beating this man's ass. Just throwing haymakers. I said, whoa, this dude was like a pit bull. He was dynamite. I said, wow. And I was told he did that on several occasions. But let me tell you this story here. There were a bunch of wrestlers at this bar. I know, uh, well, Haku, the wrestler Haku, as you guys know. Uh, oh, he was called Ming in WCW. He's a Tongan, you know. You, you know, I, I mean, he's Tongan. And so there were some sailors in the bar. And I remember that, um, well, they thought, look, they thought Haku was black because Haku used to rock an afro. They thought he was black. So the one sailor said, hey, I could kick your ass and do all these other things. <laughs> and so Haku got up. <laughs> I think it was like three or four sailors. They all got up. <laughs> Haku thrust kicked the sailor. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, man, the sailor flew into the table. And then all the rest of them start fighting the rest of the sailors. And they say Rick Rue got him off. And put the sailor on the ground. <laughs> he was relentlessly in the sailor, whooping his ass. I said, damn, Rick. So what I'm saying is Rick Rude wasn't no joke. He got into a fight with the Ultimate Warrior, they say, too. You know, the Ultimate Warrior is a big dude. So I'm thinking, can't nobody really whoop the Ultimate Warrior necessarily, right? Hell, him and Rick Rude got into this argument. Don't quote me, but I believe they said this happened in Florida. <laughs> and the Ultimate Warrior was arguing Rick Rude, and Rick Rude just started putting them on them, start throwing them hot ones on them, he started punching them. <laughs> and they say he whooped the Ultimate Warrior's ass. And so um, he wasn't no joke out the ring, okay? Uh, but I want to read this dude's accomplishments. And I remember, again, I remember him in um, NWA. But um, when it all goes back, he's remembered to be a world-class heavyweight champion. He was the first world-class heavyweight champion. Um, at first, well, so before he became world heavyweight champion, the belt was known to be um, the world-class American uh, heavyweight champion because they were affiliated under NWA. So whoever was the world-class American champion, they were considered somewhat the number one contender, not over the United States heavyweight champion in NWA, so don't get it twisted. What I'm saying is, excuse me, when Ric Flair would come, or whoever was the champion, but the champion, no, no, but the champion at the time was Ric Flair, but when he would come to Texas, normally he would wrestle the American champion. So whoever the American champion was, that's who Ric Flair would wrestle. <clears throat> Excuse me. But unfortunately, I guess the NWA got tired of Ric Flair coming to Texas because, again, world-class championship wrestling is affiliated out of Texas. That's their home. But I guess they got tired of Ric Flair winning by countout or disqualification. And so they went to NWA about this. And I guess NWA said, well, no, we're not going to change our champion from a counter or disqualification. It has to be by pinfall or submission. But at the time, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think the NWA was even trying to have a world-class wrestler as their champion to begin with. And, and I mean, again, unless if they're going to fully commit to NWA and maybe do what Ric Flair does. So World Class say, you know what? We're going to break away from you guys. We're going to create our own heavyweight champion. So, of course, in uh, February, I believe, of 1986, um, Rick Rude uh, became uh, champion. Actually, yes, it was. It was February 20th, 1986. They withdrew from NWA, so Rick Rude became their first um, world-class heavyweight champion, which is remarkable. 
because after all, I mean, because so at the time, world class was just as big as AWA and WWF. Really, they were. And again, you know, we'll you know we'll get more into that. We will. What we're gonna do is we're gonna do a show based upon the federations. How about that? Then that way we can just talk about just the federation itself. <clears throat> but again, um, tonight it's about ravishing Rick Rude. Rest in peace to his soul. He was a great wrestler. He was. Um, but no. But what I want to say was, yeah. So he was world class heavyweight champion. And then uh, he lost the belt to Chris Adams, uh, an Englishman. And then Rick Root went to um, NWA. And that's when he, you know, he started off as a singles wrestler. And then he teamed up with Manny Fernandez. And then they upset the Rock and Roll Express to win the NWA Tag Team titles. They held those Tag Team titles to about around June. And then they lost the belts, um, you know, back to the uh, Rock and Roll Express. And so then he went to WWF. And then he became... Intercontinental Champion. But when he first got there, he had a feud with Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, if y'all don't know Jake the Snake Roberts, Jake the Snake used to carry a snake into the ring inside of a bag, you know, have him tied up, whatever it is. So anyhow, he had a feud with Jake the Snake. Then he had a feud with the Ultimate Warrior. So he beat the Ultimate Warrior for, excuse me, he beat the Ultimate Warrior for the Intercontinental Belt and then he lost it right back to him. So he won it in WrestleMania 5 of 1989, lost it a few months later at SummerSlam 89. And then he stayed for a couple more years and unfortunately he left WWF or at least he was fired. And then he went to uh, WCW at the time, which, which is World Championship Wrestling, but it was still affiliated under NWA. And so he was one time United States Heavyweight Champion. He beat Sting and then unfortunately he had to drop the belt due to injury. I don't know if that was storyline or not. And then he went on to win, well, it was the NWA Heavyweight Championship until they called it Excuse me, and then they and then they end up calling it the WCW International World uh, Championship. So he won the belt from Ric Flair, and um, he lost the belt, got it back, whatever it was. But anyhow, Rick Rue was a great wrestler. He was a great champion. I felt that WWF kind of held him back, and I know, uh, you know, because of Hulk Hogan, of course, with his success. But I felt that Rick Rude could have been world champion, and I think he could have beaten the Ultimate War and should have. Um, NWA, they used him correctly. He was U.S. heavyweight champion, then he went on to beat Ric Flair. And let me tell you this, uh, fans, listeners, and followers, before I get off the air, I will say that um, that was the right call because I felt he was world championship material. So I felt that was the right thing to do. Then, of course... Uh, Rick Rude, he ended up retiring in uh, 1994 because of a injury. He tried to do a suicide move, uh, or should I say like a wrestling move, and uh, I believe he landed uh, the wrong way, perhaps. But anyhow, um, you know, he had, uh, you know, he had a uh, bad uh, injury. And so that's what happened there. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, but anyhow, uh, you know, he passed away, unfortunately, in 1999. That was sad how he died. That was sad. You know, the way he died. Um, then, of course, he went on to, um, to extreme wrestling, you know, as a uh, manager. Then he went to WWF. He returned as a guy with this insurance policy. And then, of course, he was the one that started D-Generation X with Shawn Michaels, Triple H, in China. So he was the one that actually formed that group. So so give him credit for that. And he's the first person to ever make two appearances on two different wrestling federation cards, WCW, Monday Night Nitro, and Monday Night Raw. So, uh, you know, so, so there you have it with Ravishing Rick Rude, one of the great pioneer, all-time great wrestlers of the 1980s and um, the the early 1990s, I would say. But I believe he, he, you know, his success. Well, he had more wrestling years in the 80s compared to the 90s. But his success level, you know, you would say maybe more so in the 90s because after all, he, you know, all look, look listen. Although he won us. Excuse me. Although he won his first title in world class championship wrestling, although some some critics don't regard that as 
as a real world heavyweight championship. Hey, that was your opinion and it's your opinion now. To me, a world champion is a world champion. That's all until you unify. But definitely in NWA, he was uh, the NWA heavyweight champion. And of course, they called it the WCW International World Heavyweight Champion. So there you have it. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening to this special, this pro wrestling special show. Please tune in. Oh, also, I have videos on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, I did live videos. But hey, look, catch me Monday for episode 13. James Von 007. Peace. I'm out. <laughs>